morning. I have, I have no jokes this morning in my sermon, absolutely no jokes, nothing funny at all. And um, as we were just sitting here waiting for the service to start, I told Rachel, who was singing up here so beautifully, that I had no jokes, and she looked very sad. So I felt I owed it to her, and I guess some of you who would be sad. So I'm going to just throw in some jokes for the sake of it, okay? All right, so where do most superheroes live? Come on, Wayne, surely you could think of the, sorry? The answer is Cape Town. You, you could show a bit more enthusiasm. It's, it's, it's quite encouraging when people laugh when we, yeah, not at, but with me. Okay, what do you call it when Batman skips church? Christian Bale. I like that one. Um, what would Batman do if he wasn't rich? He would be Robin. Oh, that's very sad. It's okay. God is good still. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for this morning. God, so encouraging to hear the stories this morning. You are working among us. You are so good, God, and we love you. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to just come and fill each one of us this morning and fill this space and be working in us. Speak to us, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in a series entitled Unto Us. And Steve started the series talking about Emmanuel, God with us. When Jesus was born on earth, God came to be with us. And then I talked about last week, God for us, talking about the shepherds that I likened to the underdogs, talking about the um, magi, the wise men uh, that I likened to the winners, and then talking about the, um, what did I talk about? Um, the faithful, <laughs> talking about Simeon and Anna that I likened to the faithful, that God is not just with us, but he is for all of us. And uh, Jesus was born in this earth to be with us. He walked on this earth to experience life like we experience it. And then he died for us. He took our sins upon himself and got punished for it. I love this verse. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. How did he endure the cross? By focusing on the joy awaiting him. But he is God. What didn't he have? What joy did he need? Us. He didn't have us. He wanted us. We were the joy set before him. Isn't that amazing? So he endured the cross so he can have us again. He didn't want heaven without us, so he brought heaven down to us. Three days later, he rose again. All we need to do is to believe that he is God and he died for our sins and we are saved. We have eternal relationship with God and with each other in eternal bliss. And then Jesus went back to heaven. When he went back to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit upon everyone who believes him and he still does that. 
anyone who believes in Jesus and um, follows Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Now that God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us, he has stuff for us to do. We have this superpower inside of us, and we can't not do anything, because with great power comes great responsibility. Today, we want to talk about God through us, through me and through you. I want you to say, through me, God through me. Say it like you believe it, God through me. The Holy Spirit is in you. It's not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit at work. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us, and then he created us anew in Christ Jesus. It's like he created us, but then we got marred and broken by sin. But because of what Jesus did, he fixed us. He created us anew to do what? So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Did you know that God planned good things for you to do long before you were even created? Isn't that exciting? We are not accidents. We are not air breathers that, you know, are useless. We have a purpose. God had planned good things for you you to do, for me to do. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us to, and to make us his very own people. Isn't that amazing? He cleansed our sin. He adopted us into his family. It's so wonderful. But it doesn't stop there. Totally committed to doing good deeds. All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses us to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. He gave us his word to correct us, to help us live rightly, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Why? Why did he give us his word to correct us and make us live rightly so that he can prepare and equip us to do every good work? All through scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, it never ever stops with us being blessed. It never ever stops with us being saved, loved by Jesus, oh, so wonderful. And it doesn't stop there, never stops there. It always goes on to talk about us being a blessing to others, us doing good works, good deeds, good things, being a blessing. It's a a challenging message, I told you, it's not funny. It's gonna be very serious, are you ready? Yeah, all right, I'm ready. All right, I'm going to read a very long passage to you. Um, Isaac, who put the slides together, said, this passage is longer than Ben's whole sermon tonight. <laughs> so it's going to be a long passage, so, but it's a good passage. I love this passage. I hope to one day preach on this passage, but today I'm just going to pick one point out of this passage, okay? They went across the lake to the region of uh, the Geranesis. When Jesus got out of the of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with the chain, 
for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. What a life. I wonder how long he had been cast out there. I wonder what he felt. He was not loved. He had no life. He had no hope. He would cut himself. He, he had been chained. Can you imagine being chained? And that whatever was inside of him was so strong and so violent that he would even break his chain. Just imagine being this man. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what's your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs were, was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed men and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Among all of them worry about the economics of all of this. Here was this man, dressed in his right mind, sitting there. His life was completely changed by Jesus. In one instant, the demons came out, and his life was totally transformed. This man now has life again. He can think again. He can live again. So as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with Jesus. Wouldn't you? If you were the demon-possessed man, wouldn't you do that? But Jesus did not let him. He said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Go and tell what he has done. This man wanted to do much more, but Jesus said, no, go and tell the people closest to you. Go and tell where you came from. Go and tell your own people. When Tim and I were first married, before we were married even, um, we, our hearts were set on going to China as missionaries. And um, so when we got married, the organization we were with told us you have to stay home for a while. You can't go into the field straight after you're married. You know, very wise. Um, so Tim and I were teachers at the time, and I was teaching. We were both teaching in high schools, and um, so we were teaching, and, um, but I was just longing to go to China. I was longing for my ministry to begin. You know, I was young. I was 24. I was young and excitable and still excitable, and I, 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 I remember just dreaming and praying and yearning, and God, when, when, when would you send us, when? And then one day, I felt God say to me so clearly, 
what are you going to do in China? Ooh, Jesus, I'm going to tell everybody about you. And then I sense God say, are you doing that now? Oh, <laughs> but this is not China. But I was in Malaysia at the time, and, and it hit me like, wow, am I doing that now? Am I going and telling my colleagues at school? Am I going and telling my students at school? Am I doing it? And God started to take me on a journey that it doesn't matter where I am. It honestly doesn't matter. Wherever I am, I'll just go and tell. You don't have to be a theologian to tell your story. Like this man, he, he had just been cured of demon possession and he went and told. So your testimony, how you came to faith. Some of us have incredible testimonies. Some of us have testimonies that are, you feel not so incredible, but they are all our testimony of how God's moved in our lives. When was the last time you shared your testimony with a friend over coffee or with a colleague or with a student or, um, don't worry when, you know, oh, but if I do it, I'll lose my job. Well, in China, when Christians share the gospel, they go to prison and we applaud them. So we should applaud ourselves doing that too. I told you, it's a very heavy sermon. Anyway, so um, when was the last time you told your testimony? I remember talking to a young girl who had just been, well, she, she had gone on missions and done amazing things, and when she came back, she was telling everybody all the amazing things. And then two years later, I took her into um, a, a, an area to minister to some youth, and she didn't share her story, and I was sitting there very puzzled. That's why I brought you, you know? And she didn't share her story. And when we got into the car to, and we were debriefing, I said, why didn't you share your stories? Oh, I've talked about them so much already. These guys have never heard. The day we stop telling our stories, our stories die. The day we stop telling our stories, there will be no more power in our stories. I... In conversations with mums, when I was, when I have, well, I still have children who are little, who are little and teenagers, and I often, you know, when mums share with me their struggle, I often would share with them how prayer makes a real difference in parenting, in potty training, in a colicky baby. Prayer makes such a big difference, and I just tell them. This is my story. This is how God helps me. And I struggle with depression. And when someone has um, mental health issues, I sit down with them. And when we start chatting, I tell them how prayer helps me, how God helps me through my mental health issues. In a fragile and uncertain world, when we tell what God has done for us, it brings hope to people. It brings truth to people. They will think, wow, if God can do that for them, God might be able to do it for me. Remember that it is God working through you by the Holy Spirit. You can do this. So go and tell what he has done, okay? Secondly, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Pray for and with people. There is great power. We could heal the sick, we could raise the dead. Let's stop there, raise the dead? Do you know that it actually happens in many parts of the world? 
story after stories of the dead being raised. Often they are in places where there's a lot of poverty or Christians are severely persecuted. I wonder if it is because they ask, but we never ask. They pray for the dead to be raised. We never pray that. Just food for thought, okay? Um, God cares for the hurting and has sent us to bring hope to them and to point them to God's kingdom. God's kingdom is the now and not yet kingdom. When Jesus came as a baby, he brought the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is still coming. It hasn't fully come yet. It hasn't fully been fulfilled yet until the second coming of Jesus. At the second coming of Jesus, there will be no more death, no more sicknesses, no more pain. Therefore, healing and raising of the dead and casting out demons is part of God's kingdom. But we can start experiencing a foretaste of that. That's why Jesus told the disciples, go, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, doesn't stop there, freely give. Um, we were, two years before we came back, um, I was helping start the Chinese-speaking congregation within our church, and I remember quite early in those days, um, we had an elderly gentleman come in on a wheelchair. His wife pushed him in, and um, he had been paralyzed for 10 years. Not walking, not talking, for 10 years, and they weren't Christians. They came in, and at the end of the service, just like we have here, we have prayer ministry for people, and then people encourage them to come forward to be prayed for. And I remember that he came to the, they came to the front, and then the team prayed for him. Ten years, he had not spoken. But that day, he spoke, and he said, Hallelujah! And then this big smile crept up on his face, and he wouldn't stop saying it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Ten years he hadn't spoken. Hallelujah. He was so excited, he actually continued for a whole week going hallelujah. And um, then the team shared the good news about Jesus dying on the cross with them, and that day itself, they gave their life to Jesus. And I remember the day that this couple was baptized, and after, I had, after we had left and come back, I was told that one day at church, he got up and he took a few steps. It's amazing. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. God tells, Jesus tells us, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. In the name of Jesus, we can do this. I remember a few, well, many years ago now, I was in a hospital, I was sitting and waiting, and then there was this lady sitting in a wheelchair talking with her husband. She was in great fear. She was saying, the doctor said I'm going blind. The doctor says I'm going blind. I'm so scared. And the husband was obviously getting quite annoyed. And I was sitting there, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, pray for her. But I was so scared. Pray for her. And I was thinking, what if I pray and nothing happens? I don't want to, and I didn't, and I've regretted it ever since. Um, God was teaching me that it's okay when we pray for people and when they don't get healed because they get to experience God's peace. We invite God into their situation. 
Remember that this is the now and the not yet kingdom of God. So it is a foretaste of the future kingdom. So that means in this kingdom, when we pray for people, some won't be healed, but some will. But if we don't pray for anyone, nobody will get healed. But if we pray for everyone, some people will get healed. So let us, not just you, but me, I have to remember this, that it is God working through us by the Holy Spirit, and we can do this. And after that incident, I am determined that anytime anyone tell me that they are not well, I want to pray for them right there and then. Um, so pray for and with people. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as shepherd separates the sheep, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place a sheep at his right and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are come, <laughs> you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in, person and in prison and in visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Thirdly, very simple, help others. I love our community here at Door of Hope. So many of you do this so, so well. Anytime I put out an appeal to say that someone needs help, I'm always overwhelmed. It is amazing. Thank you so much. You inspire me. When we see the thirsty, the hungry, the sick, we must act. It will be inconvenient and costly, but that's what it means to pick up our cross and to follow Jesus. For us, it came in the story of adopting our youngest child, Angel, who just turned four. Um, at the time, we were having, the ministry was full on. I was traveling at least twice a month and sometimes up to six times a month. And um, Tim was also working full-time and the traffic, we would drive three hours just to and fro work every day and we had a teenager and we had Sandra who was also a baby at the time and we were struggling with her, dis, uh, her, uh, her adoption papers. We were struggling so much. At one point, I'll tell that in another sermon, that she was to be removed from us when she was six months old. And we were going through all of that when we found out about this other little girl who was in danger. Danger. She was nine months old and she desperately needed to be adopted right away or we'd lose her. And um, Tim, always the full of faith and the wise one, he said, let's do it. And I was like, you are crazy. We cannot do this. Do you know that I, I am stretched so thin? I, there is no way we can do this. And he was like, yeah, we can do it. And I was like, <laughs> anyway, um, but God had to minister to my heart. It's never on our own terms. Feeding of the hungry, giving a home to the stranger, it's, it should never be on our own terms. 
And we said yes. Was it ideal, logical, or even wise? Absolutely no. Everyone around us was freaking out, freaking out. especially our parents. They put up with so much. Um, and then God came and provided everything for Angel's adoption. And you know what? I cannot imagine our family without Angel. I'm so glad we adopted her. And yeah, I just, I just want to encourage us this morning that when we see the thirsty, hungry, sick, we must act. Remember that it's God working through you by the Holy Spirit. You can do this. So help others. Lastly, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, not all nations, all the nations, <laughs> baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The first part of the Great Commission is about sharing the gospel and baptizing people. Go, share the gospel and baptize people. So many of you here have experienced that. You've shared the gospel, you've brought people to Alpha, you've brought people to church, and they have come to faith, and some of you have had the joy of baptizing your own friends. Isn't that amazing? And some of you might feel, I can't share the gospel, it's too scary, it's too hard. Well, we've got amazing tools out there. Talk to me. Talk to, talk to any of the pastoral team. Talk to the leaders. There's so many tools out there that we can help use to share the gospel. Alpha is one of them. One of our young adults have been um, in, her, in the university. She's been um, talking to her friends about God. And then recently, someone bought her TV. And when she had the TV, she's like, I'm running Alpha. So she is running Alpha now in the university among her four friends. And I pray for her four friends every day by name that they will come to faith in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And if you don't want to run Alpha in your lounge room, we run Alpha here. Invite your friends to Alpha. Pray for them. Come with them. Invite people to church. Do you know that for us who come to church all the time, we take it for granted? But I met a girl recently who came to church for the first time, and she said, you know, I used to have all of these horrible, horrible things going on in my head. She came to, she'd never been to church in her whole life. The first time she came, which was a few weeks ago, all of that horrible thoughts went away. It's amazing. We just need to invite people to come and see how good our Jesus is. So the first part of the Great Commission is evangelism, sharing the gospel. But we always get, well, not always, we often get this wrong with the Great Commission. We think that's it. But it is not. The second part is to teach them to obey all the commands he has given us. That means to learn to be like Jesus. This is called discipleship. Let me ask you, Jesus said, uh, we are to baptize them and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Are, are you a new disciple? Are you new? Are you still exploring? Have you or have you recently just given your life to Jesus? Do you need some discipling? Do you need someone to come alongside you and teach you how to follow Jesus? Join a connect group. <laughs> Join a connect group and find mentors among here. You are I have a mentor, and I mentor other people. Find a mentor here. There's so many amazing people. Now, for those of you who are not new Christians, and you've been journeying with Jesus, and you love Jesus, 
Who are you discipling? Who are you mentoring? Who are you actively teaching to obey Jesus? Or does that happen when it happens? Or are you intentional about it? Or do you need to lead a connect group? Don't panic, because the third part of the Great Commission is He will be with us. So it is Him working through you. You don't need a PhD in theology. Just talk to Paul. Come and talk to Paul at the end of the service or through the week and say, oh, I think I want to lead a connect group. Don't worry. He will talk to you and he will find out what you need to equip you to lead a connect group. Now, if he thinks that you are probably still need a little bit more growing to become a connect group leader, you could always help in a connect group. Remember that it is God working through you by the Holy Spirit. You can do this. Right, Paul? Yeah. So go and make disciples, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he had planned for us long ago. So friends, go and tell. Pray for and with people. Help others and make disciples. Is your faith a little bit stagnant and dormant? Dormant faith has been known to come alive when we step out of our comfort zone. God through us. What will you let God do through you? Let's pray. Jesus, you didn't just give us commands of what to do, and you didn't just give us the Great Commission. You first gave us the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I ask for you to just come right now and to fill all of us anew. God, I pray for hearts to be stirring and pumping, and I pray, Lord God, that you be stirring God, what is it that you want us to do? All of us have been blessed so that we can represent you, Jesus. God, through us. God, I pray for all of us, whatever it is that the stirring you've put in our hearts, I pray we won't walk away and forget about it, but we will walk away and pursue it. God, we want to be like Allison who gets to see you at work in the lives of people, bringing healing, bringing love, bringing hope. We want to experience life like that. So help us, like Alison, step out and let you use us. Just like Paul and Kathy, early when they were leading, just these lies from the enemy saying that they're not spiritual enough. God, we, all of us, we get that. But I pray that we will rise above all of that. That we will let you do amazing things through us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I just really sense the Lord is doing a deep work in your hearts and in my heart, certainly. Let him do it and say yes to God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.